Bickering Peaks, the Twin Peaks podcast, hosted by our tulpas this week, so that we can be in the other room watching this episode again and again Anytime. and again. Yes. Yeah. I, that's what I would do if, if we you, could invent if, tulpas. If they yeah. were a real thing that you could Yeah, and I could build. Do. Yeah, if I could manufacture people. Send one to work, send one to do your grocery shopping, send one to do your laundry. Yeah. Still not clear on the whole rules around the tulpas, though. Yeah, me but neither. But um, if I could, yeah, that'd be that'd be perfect. Yeah, for sure. So, okay. Are you going to uh, disagree with me? Or are you going to bicker about what our podcast no. is actually about? Well, yes, naturally, that's what we do. Uh, because this is Bickering Peaks, the Twin Peaks podcast. That's ninety percent Twin Peaks, five percent Simpsons references, and fifteen percent roundabout hockey cliche wedged in there somewhere. That's not doesn't even add up to hundred percent. It's one hundred and ten percent, Lindsay. Hockey cliche. You got to give one hundred and ten percent. Oh my god! Ah! I hate I did you so it. much. I did it, and you hate me. So oh two successes god. this week. Amazing episode of Twin Peaks, and Lindsay hates my guts. Uh, so oh, and it's our anniversary today. We should let everyone know while we're recording this. Yeah. It is August twenty eighth. Yes. That is our anniversary, right? It is our anniversary. Okay, that's good. Yes, we were married eight years ago today. Yes, and now we're here to talk about part Twin sixteen. Peaks. Yes, no knock, no doorbell. Yeah. And wow, Lindsay. I mean, wow. Is there anything more you can say no, about this episode? No, I don't episode? think so. The episode where, the part where, where Agent Cooper returns to us after a 25-year absence. More than 25 years, but let's not get technical. Yeah. It was fucking long. <laughs> and he's back. Yes. <laughs> that was amazing. It was so great. And, oh... They were just, but it wasn't. That wasn't it. No. I mean, that was that was probably the high point for me. But so many other things happened <sighs> that it's like it. This is what we've been building towards, yes. and and you can finally see what the slow burn was for because you you have this amazing, like, catharsis mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. No, that, it is that just kind of washes over you, and you finish the part, and you're just like. Well, we watched it almost. Well, no, I guess we went for a walk. We did. Yeah, we needed a moment to digest. I, I think a lot of people I've been seeing online do like the post Twin Peaks walk. Yeah, they do. We go <laughs> go out for a walk afterwards to let nature decompress. wash over them a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I think is really funny. But um, yeah, so so, but then you go back and you watch this part again, and it's you you just it's it's impossible not to yeah love this this yeah hour of television. Well, and and I think. Your comment about, you know, the payoff is really the defining thing of this episode for mm. me because, you know, even as we were watching it happen, even as the, the rain was leading Bushnell out of the room and we knew Cooper was coming back, I was like, no, they're not going to do it because I didn't want to get my hopes up. I was like, no, they're just, they're just, they're, uh, they're playing with us. They're toying mm-hmm. with us at this point. We're never going to get Cooper back because I didn't want to believe anymore after 16 hours basically of waiting for this moment and then it happened mm-hmm. and it was, and it was an amazing payoff and I think that's... Um, we've said it before with some of the, especially, uh, I remember saying it about Constance and Albert, mm-hmm. about how strong the writing had to be to, f- to feel that you, uh, you nailed these characters to the yeah. point that you can plan for a payoff that's, that's, you know, well deep into the series, yeah. um, based on these characters' interactions in the case of Constance and Albert. And here, literally they made us wait 15 hours yeah. for Cooper's return. Yeah. And, I mean, that's, that's... That's unheard of. I mean, I can't think of another show or another anything where the the wait was that long mm-hmm. and that 
you know, drawn out and torturous for the viewer. Right. Uh, and then it pays off like this. I don't. But it's 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 sweet in a way too because because it means more mm-hmm. because you had to go through all of this. It wouldn't. This would not have had the same impact if it had happened in part three. No. If he'd come out of the electrical socket, yeah, perfectly fine. Fully, yeah, yeah, exactly. It wouldn't have. It wouldn't have had the payoff. So. No. Um, no, absolutely. And that's what I'm saying is like yeah. to have the faith in your own writing to say, you know what, we can make them wait 15 hours, have it still be enjoyable and watchable yeah. in a weird kind of way. And then when it happens, you're going to be like like we were screaming and grabbing each other's hands and just so excited, yeah. uh, which, you know, I think Twitter confirmed. Basically, that's how everyone watched yeah. that scene was just screaming, screaming at their and TV happy. and crying. Yeah. And, and that's amazing. Yeah. Like that is a unique sensation that I don't mm-hmm. think any other thing could ever do one thing that that happened this week was uh there was a big leak the uh the episode leaked in the uk um about 24 hours before it should have aired and um i i you know you have the opportunity to watch it early you're gonna watch it early but i have to wonder about the people who did watch it early and if that took away from the communal experience of it because i felt it felt very special to to walk into this part and to see cooper come back at once like I was I was getting text messages from mm-hmm. um, Eileen in Wisconsin and from Alexis in Portland and and we were all talking about these amazing things that were happening as they were happening mm-hmm. for each of us in our separate living spaces yeah. and I think that's that's that is really cool about these kind of prestige television shows these days mm-hmm. is, is how they've kind of reinvigorated the idea of event television mm-hmm. right I imagine the same thing happened with Game of Thrones, which the finale of Game of Thrones aired last night as well. So um, it's it's I feel kind of sad for the people who who maybe got it at one in the morning or two in the morning or four in the morning and or whatever and started watching it whenever they saw it was up and then didn't didn't get that kind of communal shared experience experience with it. I mean, I. I think they'd still be screaming. Most oh, likely. I'm sure. But, but yeah, I mean, but then you can't talk about it right away. Like that was the, well, that was the wonderful. If you don't thing. want to spoil it for other people, right? Yeah, and most yeah. of them didn't. There, yeah. it was very respectful. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we finished, and the yeah. first thing we did was went online and started talking to people yeah. about what we'd seen. And yeah. I can't imagine having to hold that in. Yeah. It would have been like opening your Christmas presents early, you know. Yeah. But, did, that, did that once. It is disappointing. Yeah, very on disappointing. Christmas morning, it's true. But uh, but it's hard to be disappointed in this episode. I think everything about this part. Yeah, was phenomenal from yeah. start to finish. Absolutely, I I tweeted it. I said I think it was the best hour of television. I think it did surpass part eight in in just in terms of that payoff. Part eight came out of nowhere and hit you with. I the think visual we have spectacle. to start looking at part eight as like a separate thing entirely because of the visual spectacle. Yeah. Because it was more like a, a yeah. moving painting. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, because this easily but, I mean, it well, for me. But yes, but yeah, this one paid off uh, only because it was part of that larger canvas of the right. overall movie. But part eight could stand alone. I mean, if you had the part with Ray and Cooper, drop that a little bit yeah, or yeah. provide some context around that. You could watch this part eight on its own and it would yeah. be just a visual spectacle. Yeah. So part eight as an individual hour of something to watch right. might be better. But right. this felt like it had the greater payoff by far because mm-hmm. of the 15 hours that mm-hmm. had come before. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was absolutely incredible, and and people online were all in agreement. You know, this was really really incredible to watch. Yeah. And like we said, not just because of Cooper, but um, mm-hmm. this was this was an episode full of wake ups <sighs> yes. and awakenings. I think yes. is the better the yeah. better term for it. Um, all over the place, mm-hmm. we had people waking up from nightmares and dreams that they've been in they've other been situations. In. Yeah, yeah. That they've been in. Yeah. So. Um, these are, we, I guess we've kind of already gone over our, our basic thoughts, our yeah, initial thoughts. Yeah. Do you want to dive in? Let's and go start into the going? episode. 
not going up there right now. So we started off exactly as you pointed out, exactly the way we started off uh, part eight mm-hmm. with a solitary dark right. drive through the woods with Cooper and a guy in the passenger seat yes. that he's going to kill. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> really and you is. knew exactly what was happening. I think that's something really masterful. If you want to talk about the uh, the language of Lynch mm-hmm. slash well, Rust, and then this this. Uh, episode plenty of that especially yes. with American Woman later exactly. on as well reusing these kind of well and so so you've seen them once they have a, a context and then you're seeing them again and the 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 wonderful thing about the return is that it hasn't it subverted our expectations in in surprising ways but it also has confirmed a lot of our suspicions and hunches mm-hmm. right off the bat. Yeah. So when you see Mr. C and Richard driving in the car, which was the subject of our Bix Predict Predicts this week, yeah. um, when you see them driving in the car, you just know that that Richard is going to meet an untimely end, and yeah. he absolutely does. Yeah. But how does that happen? So they they go again off into a dirt path, and you get the headlights again following them out, um, and then they stop. And Cooper turns the head. The there's like overhead lights on top of his truck. Yeah, they look just like, like the Back to the Future guy yeah, from Back to the Future. His truck. Yeah, yeah. 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 Who's played by who? The guy from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Flea. Flea. That's yeah. right. Um, so yeah, he turns the lights and it looks onto a rock, basically yes. up on a hill. Um, he and Richard disembark and he says, "Okay, so I'm looking for a place up there." But first, he gives an important piece of information that he got three sets of coordinates. Yes. Two of them pointed to the same a place, location. the same location, and the third one didn't. Yeah. And he asked Richard. What would you do, Richard? I check out the two that match. You're a very bright young man. Um, but Cooper is like, yeah, that's right. So then he he sends basically sends Richard up to investigate the place. He gives him a little device that'll beep when he gets closer. Yeah. Um, and then we watch as Richard does this. Um, and interjected with this is Jerry Horn. Continuing his run, his sprint out of the forest, he arrives now at this location, wherever it is, and he's also an observer of, of what happens mm-hmm. um, through a pair of binoculars. Backwards. And, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about Jerry maybe separately yeah. in a little bit. But anyways, uh, yeah, Richard goes onto the rock. It's beeping. He says, I'm there. And then he gets basically electrocuted to death, it looks yeah. like, well, or something. Well, it, it's hard to tell what happens because he kind of disintegrates and, yeah. and explodes in a sense. Yeah, it's almost like sparks. fireworks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, some interesting things happen in, in this scene. We get um, this this idea that, uh, well, Cooper sends Richard up onto the rock by saying something weird. He, he says does. that I'm 25 years your senior, yeah. which when I first heard it, I'm like, no, that makes sense because 25 years have passed. I'm like, but wait a minute. That would imply that he was 25 years old when, old he, yeah. when Richard was born. Yeah. And then he'd be 50 now, which... Yeah maybe kind of makes sense but doesn't match up with the the age that agent cooper had at the time and no. it didn't so does it match the, up with his uh we saw the driver's license or the date of birth on the one date no I, I think I that that birth date was 1973 so yeah. it still is is yeah, off it so sense, yeah. it's just i think chalk it up to some timey-wiminess yeah um the other thing that Mr. C says is is he gets really cryptic and asks richard if he knows if he understands the place and I took that to mean he's testing Richard mm-hmm. and his connection to the Black Lodge, yeah. which makes sense in the context of this larger scene because Mr. C does say goodbye, my son, yeah. to Richard, which confirms what we've long suspected that Mr. C is Richard's father yeah. um, via Audrey Roger. Hunt. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if he's trying to, to ascertain where Richard fits into the, the lodge scheme. Mm-hmm. 
that comment makes sense. I don't know how else to read it. The way yeah. that he asked that question seems far too loaded yeah. for it to have just been an, an offhand comment. No, and the and it has that kind of Lynchian dreamlike yeah. quality to the dialogue where you know Richard just repeats place like yeah. he, he's he's questioning and doesn't really yeah. understand it and that seems to confirm everything Cooper yeah. needs to know. Um, the other thing I, is then I also these, no sorry you go ahead. Well, no, with these coordinates that mm-hmm. we want to talk about because he says he got three of them. Two of them led to the right or to one location, and a third led to another. Yeah. Um, clearly, the place that is on this rock, which is the place that two coordinates pointed Mr. Well, C to, that that presumably, we presumably yeah. Are, yeah. are working under the assumption of here. Yeah. It seems like that was a trap or something. Mm-hmm. It was. It was not the place that Mr. C thought it was. Yeah. So he was he was using Richard as a... As a test. As a yeah. test. Or, and I feel like Richard got the answer wrong when he quizzed him. Like, what would you do with, if you had, you know, two yeah. sets of coordinates that match and one that doesn't? Yeah. Richard says, well, I'd go to the one that has the most data for it. And I think uh, Doppelkoop doesn't operate under those kind of logical assumptions. Nope. Like, he assumes that everyone's always lying to him all the time. Hmm. He sees the worst in humanity. So I feel like he he would go to the place where there's only one. Mm. Um, and so Richard kind of failed that test, and that's why he sacrificed him. Um, that was just the way I read yeah. the scene, is that he's he's kind of like, oh, Richard, you, you dummy. You know, go up there and kill yourself. Like, really, I feel like he knew a little bit more. Um, and his complete lack of reaction as Richard dies, he says, like, oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is hilarious to watch, but, you know, kind of disturbing. Um, yeah, I think that also remade that point almost that you know he's kind of testing richard richard failed and he's he's done with him now hmm. but that was just how i read the scene at least so jerry is up there watching all of this happen through the wrong end of his binoculars and through one uh, eye yeah <laughs> only through one so monocular monocular yes yeah <laughs> um and it is really interesting because we've we've talked about what's going on with jerry but he seems to think that the, the binoculars had something to do they either showed him something bad and he's angry at the binoculars for it or I've seen some people thinking that maybe he thinks the binoculars were what caused the light to kill, kill this Richard. person. Yeah, yeah. Um, but either way, the reaction that he has is very consistent with with what he's what we've seen from him so far. This kind of waking nightmare that he's mm-hmm. that he's in. Um, we don't get any closure yet for him. I'm I'm starting to wonder if we're ever going to get closure for yeah. Jerry because and, and here it seemed like he was just high. Like it did kind of, right? That was my initial thing was like, Oh yeah, poor Jerry. He's just he's so high out of his mind, yeah. he's just like, Oh people and then he holds up the binocular yeah. all wrong. It's like he can't even function at that level. Right. Like if he was in like some sort of middle space, you mm-hmm. know, between lodges kind of world, which is something else we theorized about, yeah. I feel like he would still have control of his like things would still make a little bit more sense. Well, but, but I, can't I mean tell. when you see other characters who we now know are inhabiting um, in between spaces they act with the same level of confusion. That's true. So That's true. Jerry seems to be operating in that vein. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not entirely convinced that this is just him being high. But I also... I am I'm I see this scene as being comic relief. Yeah, his his reaction. His yeah, reaction yeah. in the binoculars thing was funny. But, uh, but I'm not sure where it's going to go. No. And I, I'm not concerned with trying to figure that out no no i think yeah wherever we go with jerry if we follow him anywhere else we'll just it'll be yeah it'll be what it is so those those coordinates yeah let's talk about the coordinates so you think you think that the two coordinates are the right ones no i think they are the wrong ones and they point there yeah and he he knows that that means that they're wrong 
he he doesn't trust anybody and so let's first talk about where he got these coordinates because i don't think it's actually clear yet um the jeffries gave him a set of coordinates and ray gave him a set of coordinates yes we know that for sure we know that for sure and we've seen that what we didn't what we don't have and what we get later in this episode is diane giving him the coordinates right we presume we always i assumed that she had given him the coordinates when she typed in coordinates plus two on her phone and we saw her zoom in on a map but we didn't see her hit send no. on the coordinates, and we do see that later. So if that means either Cooper got them in the future and he sent them to himself in the past, or something, right. which is very possible, yeah. con- considering how timey-wimey stuff is, or there's a third individual who's also given A fourth individual. A fourth individual, yeah, yes, who's given him coordinates. coordinates. And we wondered about when we were on our walkabout last night, mm-hmm. uh, we wondered who that could be. Yeah. And the only other person that we know for sure who had those coordinates was Albert. Mm-hmm. So was it possible that Albert... Was, was, has already sent the coordinates to yeah. Mr. C and maybe Albert and Jeffrey, as we know, were working together at some point in the past. Yeah. Is it possible that they, they've been working together to try and trap Mr. C? Yeah. I chatted about this with Eileen last night and she made a good point that, uh, Mr. C seems to be able to go to the, the convenience store, which we saw in part 15, but he needs Woodsman to take him to see Jeffries. Yeah. And when we see Jeffries, he's in that, that teapot thing that yeah. looks a lot like the the bell-shaped thing from the from the, but where the fireman is yeah. and the fireman isn't a bad guy nope. so can we assume that that is it is it the only logical explanation that jeffries is bad i don't know is it possible that he's good that he's on the side of good and mr c doesn't know it mm-hmm. because he's inhabiting this this uh piece of machinery that yeah. we've so far only seen in a good place yeah and what does that mean about the woodsmen then? What does that say about about yes. them if they're leading him from the convenience store to Jeffries, who maybe isn't that bad. a bad guy? Yeah. But I'm not convinced that the woodsmen are good. No, like, I, th- I feel, I feel like, like that maybe they're neutral yeah, or something. They, they might just be servants of whatever the the in between place is yeah. above the convenience store because that's really the only place we've kind of seen them. I mean, the fact that they kill people yeah. who perhaps were interlopers. Maybe. I mean, I mean, except for the people in the radio station, yeah. weren't really. They weren't doing anything. So, I don't I, know. I don't know. I mean, these these are all. This is conjecture now. We have no idea what we're talking Absolutely. about at all. You can tell. But um, <laughs> but it did it did make me wonder. It made us both wonder about uh, what this maybe maybe Albert is involved in some way. We've been suspicious of Albert, but maybe maybe this explains it. Maybe we'll find out in future mm-hmm. episodes. Maybe maybe Diane did send him the coordinates, and we just didn't see it on camera. Well, uh, and we'll get to. Diane and yes, the coordinates and everything uh, later because there's some interesting timey-wimey stuff going on there well, too. Well, and it starts right here with the yeah. text that Mr. C sends at the end of all of this. He, and, and first of all, we should point out, it is nighttime. He, yes, so he has to look it's in the... 2 in the morning or 2.30 yeah. in the morning or something by, by, his, by his watch or the, by the time on his phone. On his phone. I mean, he, he sends, sends this, this smiley face yeah. and capitals all. all. But it's not delivered. No, and it says not delivered. The message does not get delivered. So uh, when we later see it, it has come through. Maybe? I feel like the fact that it's not delivered is important in some way. Yeah, but I think it's it's arrived at some point. It's arrived to her yeah. at some point. So it, it maybe he tried sending it again and it went through. But I'm not convinced that he sent it. I, I'm still thinking that there's a, an intermediary yes. between him and Diane. Yes, so, and whether that also does a time shift or something yeah. like that, we, we really can't tell. It's, well, we'll it's get possible. there when we talk yeah, about Diane. Yeah. Uh, so we, we get the next scene is in Las Vegas, yep. and we get Chantal and Hutch staking out Dougie's house. So we That's get right. the confirmation that we've all been waiting for. The double header was... Uh, uh, Duncan, Duncan Todd, Todd and Dougie Jones. Dougie Jones. Um, and this scene is just... 
I mean, I love them. I love Chantel and Hutch in this terrible, crazy way that they exist as Lynchian characters. Uh, you know, Chantel loves her her, che- her Cheetos. You know, she's yeah. just scarfing them down. Um, Hutch keeps talking about, you know, prosaic things. Like yeah, the bird yeah. that they the heard that morning. The bird that they Fuck yeah, I did. Like, it was just, you know, yeah. and, and the fact... You know, just their their chemistry is off the hook. I loved it. She just puts her leg up on him, and he's just like, "Yeah, that's that's what we they're do." They're just like, gonna stake out the house yeah. where they're gonna murder a family. Yes, but, but they are themselves an interesting, weird little Lynchian family. I love. Yeah, no, I I really I really do like them. I don't like them. No, like I don't them, like them. But, but they're I, <laughs> I like them the way that I liked Richard. They're interesting and they're they're compelling to watch. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, we see the FBI arrive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Agent. Randall Headley and Agent Wilson. <laughs> I don't know if that's his first name or last name, but Wilson. And their their colleagues show up to... Uh, to, to yeah, to take in the Jones for questioning and yep. everything. They realize they're not there. Um, and, of course... Yeah, Wilson uh, gets uh, chewed out. Yes, of course. You know, he's trying his best. I feel bad for him. Um, and there's a great little moment where the the other FBI agent just shakes his head at yeah. Wilson's incompetence. Um, basically, he's also going to stake out the place, too. Yeah. Um, and then, basically, we leave... And Chantel and Hush have been watching all of this, yeah. uh, kind of concerned, which comes up like it's 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 like a comedy of errors yeah, in a way that like a Coen yeah. Brothers yes, film yes, would be. Yeah, uh, but it doesn't play out completely in one scene because we we go to the next scene is is Dougie Coop in the in the hospital in the hospital on a on which is bed. what you predicted yeah. yep. that he would be in in he's on hospital he's on the no talking heads though no <laughs> no shootout here either no. but they, there is a shootout um, but yeah he. Uh, Janie's there with him and Sonny Jim. They're they're you know they're at his bedside. Bushnell Mullins even yeah. shows up, um, and it's it's interesting what they kind of talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sonny Jim asks about electricity. Mom, does the coma have something to do with electricity? No, honey. Well, in this case, it did. Um, and that's a that's a topic that comes up again yes. a couple of times yeah. throughout the course of yeah. Dougie's stay in the hospital. Yes, Sonny Jim is interested in electricity. Well, yeah, sure, and yeah. that electricity is connected to comas. Mm-hmm. The other thing that, that struck me, the doctors are optimistic, I yeah, guess. Yeah, because he has strong vital signs. Yes. Like he, there's nothing physically wrong. It's just right. his mental But Janie presumably. is worried because, and, and in her words. Yeah, but when people go into a coma, they can stay there for years. When I heard that, my ears perked up because all I could think about was the theory that Audrey's been in a coma yes. as well. Yeah. And I feel like when these things are explicitly laid out yeah. for us, they're going to be meaningful. Yes. And we know that it's not going to be related to Dougie. Dougie is not going to be in no. a coma for years. No, we don't but have But there are that. other characters <laughs> who may have been in the coma for years. It's it's interesting because um, that line definitely sticks out. Mm-hmm. Like, she just... Like she well, says it's the it, way she delivers it, too, Exactly, right? yeah. yeah. She delivers it to stand out. I mean, she wouldn't say that around her son, saying, well, oh, your dad could be in yeah, a coma yeah. for, you know, 10 years or something like right. that. It's not something you would say in that situation, but here she delivers that line in order to impart to the audience. Yeah. She's saying that line for Absolutely. the audience, not for any of the characters or plot. But also showing up soon afterwards is the Mitch, are the Mitchum brothers uh, with Candy, Sandy, and Mandy. Yeah. Um, flowers and food as flowers well. Flowers and food. And so they're doing what we all do when a friend or colleagues in the hospital. We they make an abundance of food yeah. and bring it to their house. So this so is they, a, they catered obviously. Yeah. Of they, course, they got but the they're still too. gonna get the key from Janie and they're gonna load up her house mm-hmm. and Janie can't believe the generosity and neither can we. I mean, the Mitchums do have, as we find out later, hearts of gold. Yes. And and I just love. I think. Jim Belushi and Robert Nepper have done oh phenomenal do work. so great. As when they as walk these, in with the huge bouquet yes. and everything, it's just like and they're so contrite and they're, yeah. they they love Dougie so much. Yeah. It's really sweet. It and, is really sweet and totally in character. Yeah. Even though when we first met these characters, they were murderous. You know, bad guy, typical you know, Las Vegas yeah, gangsters. Yeah. 
They're not. Yeah, I mean, and I they, love that. I feel like they need to brush up on their employee management skills. You know, beating their employees who, who lose them a little bit of money may not be the best way. Yeah, in they're the under term. a lot of pressure. Eh? They, that's true. People are under a lot of pressure. <laughs> it was like what? Electricity? So, carrying on, mm-hmm. we go to the hotel in Buckhorn. Mm hmm. And we see Gordon looking at the bank of monitors that are going haywire, and we get a, a quick cut from there to Dougie's the, heart monitor. Yes, the beeping is very similar. Yeah. I think there's supposed to be a direct connection there. Yeah. I don't no, know absolutely. What. I don't know what either, but it's I, we still don't know what all those machines do. It just seemed like in previous scenes we saw this, this equipment and just assumed, oh, this is just more Lynch technology. Mm-hmm. That it, it's just there to fill the space. Mm-hmm. But... I'm wondering if there is a connection. I, for sure they're trying to show us something mm-hmm. by cutting between the hotel and the hospital. Uh, but it's a very quick scene, and it we is. don't get anything. We go back to the hospital. Yep. Uh, Sunny Jim needs to go to the bathroom, so yep. Janie takes him to the bathroom, and then Bushnell gets a call about the FBI visiting Lucky 7. Um, and it's hilarious because it he's like, what has he done now? He's in a coma. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's true because, you know, all Dougie has been is is one thing after another that mm-hmm. has been plaguing him. Yeah. Uh, can't catch a break. But yeah, it is. It's again like these scenes are happening fairly quick. I mean, mm-hmm. as far as Twin Peaks: The Return can go, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Like the one of Cole, uh, you know, it's like ten seconds of mm-hmm. him and the equipment and everything. So it feels a little bit drawn out for getting no information, but yeah. it does allow that visual uh, crossover into into Dougie's world. Um, and to me, it made it feel like. Um, you know, these, these plot lines are converging again. You know, the FBI is now calling Bushnell as well. You know, everything is coming together. Yeah. I thought it was just a visual cue. Well, and it, and it gives you that sense that, that, like you said, things are picking up. So the FBI have been to... In, in previous parts, the FBI would come at the beginning of one episode, and by the end of the, the second episode, or maybe two episodes later, the FBI would go to their next location. Yeah, yeah. But here, it's like there's, there's just less to do yeah. so the FBI goes to Dougie's house and then they go to the hospital and the things are picking up mm-hmm. there's an urgency yeah. I think driving things forward yes um, which is intercut here again with uh, more Chantal and Hutch who uh, well yeah this is the big scene now. yes yeah, the conclusion yes. of the, their so scene, yeah. we've set them up on the street they've been there for a while they see the FBI van return do they well because they didn't they didn't look at it they're, they're just kind of staring and the shot we get from their point of view mm-hmm. is a little bit behind their vehicle actually is just of Dougie's house so I feel like sure. they didn't even notice that there was an FBI but I'm sure they would have noticed that there eventually. was a vehicle that yeah, showed eventually. up eventually yeah, yeah. Um, but then they they have more of their conversation they're mm-hmm. kind of like stakeout banter uh, Hutch talking about a guy that named he knew Sammy, yeah. named Sammy who he owed money to but who died and he feels kind of bad a little bit <laughs> about missing I just think that it's it's fascinating the the moral code that these two live yeah, under yeah yeah um, I love yeah just the the little peering into their yeah. to their world and their, their sort of state of existence it's really interesting as this as this is happening the Mitchums arrive mm-hmm. so the, the Chantel and Hush have seen the FBI come to the house now they see the Mitchums come to the house. With the caterers in tow. Yeah, 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 and they see Mandy, Candy, and Sandy with their pink dresses. And Hutch is wondering if one of them is Dougie. And Chantel gets pissed at him. And they have this this whole fight between the two of them. And he asks her if she's on her rag. <laughs> which is just, it's it's perfect conversation for these two. Yeah. But in the context of what they're doing, it's so absurd yeah, and hilarious. It exactly. feels like, like it would not be out of place 
in a really, really dark Monty Python sketch or something. You know what I mean? Or yeah. Kids in the Hall or something well, yeah, like that. Well, yeah, no, well, but it's it's so typically lynching. You oh, know? yeah, it's, it's, absolutely. It's like he's, he's defined this, this space of domestic you know, mundanity. Yes. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. And yeah. then, you know, this this very dark undertone of, yeah. of violence and, and death everywhere. So, um, but yeah. while, while they're watching all of this happen and they're kind of baffled by how they can see all this activity and not see Dougie and yeah, they don't yeah, really yeah, know yeah. what to do, another car comes up and and he, he's um, like, the guy gets out of the car, he works for an insurance company, which is... No accounting. Oh, sorry. He works for a, a, an accounting firm. Yeah. He walks up to the car and or to their van and says, you're blocking the driveway, and they have exchanged of course, words. Yeah. Chantel does not take kindly to being told what to do. And the guy says, I'll move the car then. <laughs> and you think he's going to move his car, but no, he rams his car into their van. And this sets off, like the, Chantel yeah. just loses her mind, shoots at him. Yeah. He shoots at her, wings her, she takes off, knocks his car back and knocks him over and in then, the back of the car. Yeah, and then as they're trying to drive away, he, you know, pulls out his Uzi again and, and just sprays their van with bullets, killing Chantel. Yeah, almost instantly. Almost and, instantly. Then, and then also Hutch as well. Yeah, yeah, he, he kind of uh, follows, goes down the street following the van and switches clips and then, yeah, kills Hutch, who takes like a, a billion bullets before he falls down. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. just, that was very, you know, that was almost... Uh, the other director, Tarantino. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. But while this is all happening, the FBI are sitting there in their van watching all <laughs> watching of this. Watching all this. And mm. so the, the Hutch and, Ch- and Chantel's van idles by them. <laughs> and they just Crashes watch. onto a onto a lawn at the end of the, the cul-de-sac yeah. or the, the, the curve street, of the street. Yeah, yeah. And then the FBI get out and, and tell the, this uh, accountant that yes. he's under arrest. He's, he's credited as Polish accountant yes. or something like that, yeah. which is... Pretty, pretty great. Uh, the interesting thing also is the Mitchum brothers, of course, come out as right. the gut bullets start flying. They come out of, out of the Jones house. And uh, after after all the killings done and the, the arrests are being made, they have the funniest exchange of the episode. What the fuck kind of neighborhood is this? People are under a lot of stress, Bradley. Um, which, yeah, was just, just so great. And again, yeah, nailed that, that Lynchian humor of, uh, you know, this, you know, just, just writing it off. It's every day, you know, people are just, well, they're under a lot of stress and, and what are you going to do? Lindsay? you gotta, sometimes you just gotta kill people, <laughs> you know? And I think the Mitchum brothers would, you know, totally understand that. So the next scene takes us back to the hospital mm-hmm. and we hear that, that chime sound that we've been hearing at the Great Northern and it lures Bushnell out of the room. Mm-hmm. Long enough for Mike to appear at Cooper's bedside on the chair beside the bed. And then Cooper wakes up. You are awake. 100%. Finally. And it's as simple as that. Yeah. It's, it's the big moment that we've been waiting for. And it's everything that... It's more than what we were expecting. It really is. I was firmly entrenched in the belief that, uh, along with the counter Esperanto guys, that the, the Cooper we were going to get back was going to be somehow fractured and not the same as what we were left with. Well, and, it, and so yeah. far, that has not proven true. This this Cooper this is, is as Cooper. assertive, he is as bright and chipper as mm-hmm. he ever was. It's I, like being locked inside the Red Room for 25 years hasn't even phased him. But, He's just got work to do now. But you know what? I would disagree with you because okay. I can. I think you can still read it as um, Cooper, when he came out, was broken. And it took the love of Janie E 
uh, Sonny Jim, the Mitchum brothers, sure. Bushnell, everyone to fill his heart, as he describes later in the episode. Yeah. And that's what actually gave him and I, I, the way to... I agree with you, but I think we all thought that, that the final version of Cooper would not be wholly yeah. Cooper. Yeah. So I don't think we were expecting this level of Cooper back. No, because it is, like, seamless. Like, yeah. he comes in, he, you know, he's got his appetite back. He asks for the, the sandwiches. Well, da, 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 da. Because... We get all this. this oh yes, no, I know. I'm just talking about the character. Right We're okay. talking about the character. So yeah, I feel like you're absolutely right. He he does. But yes, okay. Let's start with uh, what he talks to Mike about. So Mike explains that the other one is still out there. Clearly, there's still a danger. But Cooper is not as concerned about that. He asks Mike if, or he gives. Sorry. Yeah, Mike, Mike does give him gives Cooper the, the owl cave, cave ring. Yeah. And then Cooper asks Mike if he has a scene, and it looks like he's going to phase out and go back to the Red Room, and Cooper's words bring him back, because the conversation isn't finished yet. So he asks if Mike has a scene. Mike pulls out the little gold marble that we saw him retrieve from Dougie. Cooper gives him some hair from the back of his head and says he needs him to make another. And then Mike understands and goes away. So this was... This was remarkable to me because it means that Cooper was aware of everything that was going on yes. and understands completely how this process of manufacturing people works. Mm-hmm. And I didn't pick up on this right away, but you did, mm-hmm. that he was going to be manufacturing another Dougie yes. to take his place when he leaves. Yeah. And that just made my heart just swell yes. because that's such a Cooper move, yes. right? He would not leave these people who, you know, have been a family to him right. in the lurch. Like, he would not leave them without But he also wouldn't chance. be the kind of guy who's going to stay in that life because that's not his life. No, he doesn't no, belong there, No, and right? he's not going to lie to... I mean, he does lie a little bit to Janie and Yeah, and but Sonny it's like Jim, a, but it's, a white lie. It's yeah, like a yeah. nice lie to well, smooth and, the transition. And he knows that he will be able to bring a Dougie back into, yes. the, into the world. So it's, it's not the worst. But thing. I have seen a lot of people wondering if that is what's going to happen. We'll get to it mm-hmm. We'll talk. It's yeah, fine. soon, Whatever. but yeah. Um, so, at this point, Janie and Sunny Jim walk in, mm-hmm. and Bushnell comes in. And Bushnell in as well. too, yeah. And they're all overjoyed they're so that, happy, yeah. that Ducky is awake yeah. and talking and strong, and mm-hmm. he's he's like he's ripped out his a uh, couple of IVs and his breathing yeah. tube, and like yeah. he's just he's just so on top of things. Yeah. But but he sends Janie and Sunny Jim out to get a doctor. Mm-hmm. Who comes back and is played by... The actress who played Louie yes. in... Uh, there is season two, season mostly. Two, yeah, yeah, she yeah. was the, the uh, Great Northern Hotel... Hostess. Desk clerk. Yeah, clerk, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and she, she checks him out. She's like, yeah. yeah, you're ready to go. A-OK. Yeah. <laughs> and then he asks Janie and Sonny Jim to grab the car. Um, and then he uh, starts getting changed. Well, he gives all these directions. He's like, go mm-hmm. get a doctor. Give me my clothes. Yeah. Janie, bring the car around. Yeah. And he's so assertive, yeah. and and it's very clear that this is, like we said, it's just totally Cooper. Exactly, and and right away we go into the we follow uh, Sunny Jim and Jeannie in the hallway, and you know even Sunny Jim notes he's like, Dad sure is talking a lot, talking a lot. <laughs> which is great, not like him at all. No, um, and then we follow go back into the room, and it's Cooper asks for uh, Bushnell's gun. Yeah, which, which he knew. Was like, hilarious. okay, so yeah. so the debate now seems to be how much did did Dougie. Coop know how much did Cooper know when he was inside? Sounds like everything. Dougie's yeah, he, personality. He, I feel whatever. like yeah, I feel like maybe we'll get. He might describe it in some way, yeah. but I kind of doubt it. I, I get the feeling we're supposed to just infer it from yeah. what he's saying. To me, so to me, it sounds like um, 
He was he fully aware of everything. He was fully aware of everything. He just could not control Dougie's body in any right. way. It was just like it was on autopilot, and he had not yet had the the fortitude to make his own uh, yeah. presence felt. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, he was. You know, he still did his his usual coup investigating. You know, he yeah. knew what where Bushnell kept his gun. He knew that. Uh, Anthony was lying. Yeah. And, you know, he figured out all the problems on the thing. And that's why I'm wondering if uh, all those little special effects, like the sparkle that uh, Dougie had to circle and everything, um, if that was just Cooper's Cooper's well, own ability. We mentioned coming. that when it first happened, mm-hmm. that is this something that Cooper has been endowed with his whole life, this mm-hmm. kind of ability to intuit people. Mm-hmm. And is that what it looks like to Cooper? Yeah, you know? and slot machines. Like, could he do that? Could he go yeah. to a to a gambling establishment and pick out well, the winning slot in, machines? Well, remember in like, my life, my tapes, he was he was trained as a card counter by his yeah, uncle. So true. I mean, but there's these, a big these, difference between that. Of course and there the slot are. Machines, of yeah. course there are. But I'm just saying it's it's interesting that these that these traits that he's had, and that we've seen through the experiences that Dougie Cooper's had, that. When you look back on it, it's it's like you can kind of see where the Cooper was mm-hmm. all along. Because I'm yeah. with you. I think that he was completely cognizant, yeah. but trapped inside. Yeah. Kind of like those waking comas that yeah. people have. Yeah. So, um, and and Bushnell, okay, so Bushnell gives over his gun and yeah. he's he's concerned, but not really. He's yeah. kind of amazed. Yeah. Um, he's very obliging. He calls the Mitchums on speed dial um, and gives the phone to Dougie and, you know, Dougie's like, I'm bringing my family over to the Silver Mustang in 20 minutes. Gas up the jet, we're going to Spokane. Yeah. Like- <laughs> and, and as this is happening, so we go to the Mitchum Brothers and that's when the song starts. Yes. Um, and it was just, it was just a masterful stroke. I also noticed that Cooper's voice is not distorted over the phone. Exactly. It's perfectly clear. Yes. And comes across 100% clearly, which to both of us, I think we both said at the same time that it was, this is Cooper, he's back. Mm-hmm. There's no distortion, there's no distance, he is present, Even he's everywhere. Even electricity cannot phase him Exactly. Anymore, yeah. And I love that touch. Yeah, it yeah. was, it's, in a, in, a, in a show like this where the sounds have been so vital and mm-hmm. so important, it's impossible not to Notice read that something as, like that, yeah. and it's deliberate, right? Yeah, yeah, obviously. When he said, when, as he's saying goodbye to Bushnell, this is where the the line that got everybody a Twitter mm. on Twitter <laughs> and Facebook and Tumblr and everywhere else. I have a feeling a man named Gordon Cole will call here. If he does, read him this message. You're a fine man, Bushnell Mullins. I will not soon forget your kindness and decency. What about the FBI? I am the FBI. But the way he's framed is is the key thing. He's he's like this almost three-quarter kind of headshot view, but it's the exact same angle as the famous Cooper thumbs up with the lightning strike gif that is... From so, the Roadhouse from in the, the episode roadhouse. where he f- figures out who killed Laura Paul- yes. Palmer. So yeah, <laughs> interesting parallel there for sure. Um, and then yeah, he, he leaves. Uh, he goes out front and kicks Janie out of the driver's seat. I'll drive. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, and then they head off towards uh, the Silver Mustang. As the FBI arrived. As the FBI arrived, that's right. And then we follow their car down the freeway for a little while while the music plays, and Sonny, Jim, and Janie are picking up more clues that, that something's different about Dougie, but mm-hmm. they're not scared or worried. They're just in well, quite awe. Yeah, yeah. Janie is, again, she's got that look like she's like, yeah, this is this is a man I like again. Yeah. You know? She's yeah. got that... that, that happy happy look on her face um i mean can we just luxuriate in this for a little while of course that this this sequence was just 
so perfect. Um, I was crying a little bit. I don't know if you were when, when we watched it the first time, because it's just like, yes, this is the return. He is going back. We are getting Cooper going back to Twin Peaks. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's everything we waited for. And this was really, this was the moment when, when it really kicked in. And, and we see him take charge and he's back to his old self. Um, it is just, it is, it was flawless. So we go to Diane uh, as the music continues to play, um, and it ends abruptly because she receives a, she receives the text message. The text. The text. Um, Which and, completely freaks her out. Oh, like she just. Oh, it's like it has like a, a mind, physical effect. Yeah, physical and mental effect on her. Um, and the time of this text, I will point out, is at uh, sixteen thirty-two. Yeah, just throwing that out there. Um, and she's you know she's shaken. She can't even really drink. So it, yeah, and she says right away. Like, Um, and then she picks up the, uh, the phone again and she texts back the coordinates. Mm -hmm. And We finally see the full side of coordinates as well, yes, which is yes. important. We haven't seen those before, but I think people have, um, maybe they have seen them, but not this clearly. Yeah, not this clearly. Some clear. people have mapped out where this location leads to. We mapped out this location and it doesn't seem to lead to the same location that other people have found. Hmm. It seems like this location is closer to the Idaho border than... Yeah. It should have been. If this is sending us to Twin Peaks, to Twin it doesn't Peaks. seem like this is the same location that Diane was looking at for. Yeah. But so, either way. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to tell. Um, but interestingly, while she's sending this back, the time has suddenly shifted 12 minutes into the future. And we do not see, or it doesn't seem like at least, that 12 minutes have passed. It's not even that. The text message says that it was arrived 12 minutes yes, later, later than yes. when the first text yeah. message arrived. That's very true. And it's not, a, it's not an iMessage anymore. It's a text it's, message. And it explicitly says much. Yeah, yeah, so it's a totally different... It was received from a non-iPhone phone. Mm-hmm. Whereas the previous text was sent from and received from an iPhone. Yeah. So the the fact that we're focusing on these phones just underscores how strange this is. And we see another time completely when she goes up in the next scene. Yeah. So um, it yes. may seem pedantic of us to be honing in on this, but we're just throwing it out there because it is interesting that the time is is so shifty. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and it's interesting to me. She says, "I hope this works." Right. I want to know what this is. Like, well, I want to know what it means. That what all means. Does that mean you kill? Uh, like a lot of people have suggested, it means kill the FBI agents, kill all the FBI agents. Uh, um, the smiley face. People have wondered if that is a reference to Coop's Mister Mister C's method of murder, which is to squeeze the face. Well, yeah, and, and she talks about his smile later on when she's telling, right. talking to Cole. So, So maybe the smile is just a reminder of that? I feel like that's um, the Manchurian candidate trigger that, that sets her off. Right. And then the all maybe as the instruction is. Or it's all the coordinates. Mm -hmm. I want all the coordinates. It's yeah. a demand of her or it something. It could be, yeah. Well, yeah, and, and the reason I'm interested in her re reaction is because of what we find out about her later on. Mm -hmm. Um what is she hoping to achieve? Like, what is she saying? When she says, I hope this works, what is her goal with yeah. sending these coordinates? Is it to save her own life? Is it to stop Save Cooper's Cooper? life? Yeah, is it there to get him killed? Is she now sending him bad coordinates as well? Um, it's really not not clear. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's really, really uh, 
interesting because, yeah, what we see later on casts everything we know about this character that we've seen on screen for the last couple of hours uh, into question. Well, I do think that the coordinates that she sends are incorrect because of where they're located in the state. They're not sending you to the town five miles south of the Canadian border, 12 miles west of the state line. Okay, but... No, just hold me up. Okay, me yeah, up. Yeah. Because Mr. C is coming from Montana, and he would hit this town first. Mm-hmm. And that's where he goes with Richard, is to this location with the rock. So yeah. I think that location that we're seeing on the map is the location where the rock is. I think Diane is one of the ones who's sending him the incorrect coordinates. And I think that she sent them to him... At the moment that he sent the text, he already had the coordinates from her, but he hadn't asked for them yet. If that makes any yeah, sense no, at all. It doesn't, but a, it, somehow it could. Tardisy kind of way. <laughs> yeah. That that he possesses coordinates he hasn't received yet. Yes. Um, from Diane. Which is yes, very possible. Mm-hmm. I, I I have no idea. And so that, in that in that case, for her to say, I hope it works, I think that means she's hoping that he goes these there. coordinates are bad and that he will be destroyed when yeah, he goes there. Yeah, yeah, that he'll be killed. Um, that does, could we, could be, we may never know, this might be all we get of Diane, we, it's really hard to say. Um, at this point we do see in her purse she has a gun. Right. And it's 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 looming over us the whole time. Um, Especially considering that she gets up from her seat at the bar yeah. and the song American Woman, the slow down remix version that we heard when we were introduced to Mr. C. Yeah starts playing as she walks up to the hotel elevator and down the hallway toward Gordon's room. Mm-hmm. So the whole time this is happening, you're thinking, oh, Diane is going to go off these FBI Oh, agents. yeah, yeah, yeah. The the gun is definitely a Chekhovian. Chekhovian? <laughs> Chekhovian, because you know she's going to go for it at some point. So she goes up to the door, and Gordon hears her coming. Hears her standing yeah. outside the door. I'm thinking, hears her standing. <laughs> yeah, no, I, seriously, because, yeah. you know, he looks up and he knows that she's there and tells her to come in before she's knocked, which yeah. is interesting yeah. because she says that's how Cooper appeared in her mm-hmm. in her house. Yeah. One night, no knock, no doorbell. He just walked in. And that's how Diane appears to Gordon. Yeah. No knock, no doorbell. He lets her in. Yeah. She comes in and she explains to them what happened the last night that she and Cooper were together. And we should point out Tammy and Albert are there. Yes. Uh, so it's basically... It looks the whole like the same, gang same, is same, back yes, together. Yes, once again. But, um, uh, yeah. but we do find out, we have confirmation that Diane was raped by Mr. C. And at that point, after that had happened, she was taken to what she says was an old gas station. Mm-hmm. So after she's kind of explained uh, the convenience store situation, uh, she doesn't call it that, of course, but after she's explained that... We know that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, we know what it yeah. is. Uh, she looks at her phone again, and it again, it like jars her, and we get a zoom in, like it's like a, a shutter effect, almost like when Cole was looking into the vortex, yeah. and it was, it was kind of shimmery on the edges. Um, and interestingly, now the time that she received another iMessage this time is 3.50 now. Right. Uh, or 1550, 1550, yeah. yeah. Um, and so... Even more conflation there. Um, and then she really starts to seem to lose it. She doesn't really finish sentences. Her voice gets shaky. Um, she starts fumbling for her cigarettes. Like, there's there's a whole host of, of actions that reminded us both of Audrey a Instantly, lot. yeah. Because she doesn't seem in control like she was when she was walking up to the hotel room. Yeah. A sheriff's station. <laughs> I... I sent him those coordinates. My sheriff's station. Because, because 
I'm not me. I'm not. I'm not me. I'm. I'm. I'm not. That is. It almost mirrors exactly what Audrey was saying. Like I don't feel like myself. So, um, we both kind of freaked out when we heard that because it meant that something, something more than just assault had happened to Diane. Yeah, and then she reaches for her gun, um, and Tammy and. Albert are quicker and you get it I didn't notice this the first time because it, it was a really tense scene to watch um, I didn't notice that you know Albert was kind of reaching even oh, they yeah. have a quick shot of him they were reaching before because they were recognizing her crazy yeah her something, something's coming out um, and they shoot her um, and then she disappears like she's sucked out of the room yeah very much like how uh, Laura was sucked out of the red room yes yes which is fascinating because it leaves them all stunned yeah and Tammy has the the revelation that they're real, that mm-hmm. topos are real, yeah. and uh, Gordon. Yeah, he, all he can think <laughs> about is uh, share station. <laughs> like, Which is great. We follow Diane to the red room, mm-hmm. and we see her exactly as we saw Dougie mm-hmm. in front of Philip Gerard, and he tells her exactly the same thing that you were manufactured, and Diane gives her standard line I know fuck you but it's interesting that she knows mm-hmm. that she was manufactured yeah. and it does not seem to face her one bit she's defiant to the very end yeah. and there's some cool effects with her her jaw and then yeah. her, this shaking in her like neck and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. chest area and then the paper it's almost like a paper ripping yes her, and, her and it reveals the black yeah. the black smoke as well mm-hmm. um Mike has the same response, or Philip Gerard has the same response that he covers his eyes and waits for for her to burn up, basically, mm-hmm. or or yeah, disintegrate. disintegrate. Something, yeah. And then the gold ball is left. So interestingly, there's no black egg yes. mass there, as there was with, uh, with Dougie. Dougie. Yeah. So I, I wondered if that means that she is a different kind of tulpa. If if there are different kinds of people who have been created. And or if they're created by different people. Well, that's exactly mm-hmm. it. That, that Dougie was created by Mr. C, and Mr. C contains or by Bob. Bob. Yeah, yeah. Right. So if that's the case, that maybe is what the black egg sack thing represented. Yeah. Diane was created maybe by someone else. Mm-hmm. And this leads into, Aiden, your theory. Yes, which is that Diane has been separated. Okay. <laughs> and so the, her comments about, I'm in the sheriff's station, the person we know is, that's in the sheriff's station. Chad. That, Chad, you're right. <laughs> exactly. No, I'm afraid not. Uh, so the person we know is in there that, that probably shouldn't be, by all rights, is Nido. Right. Um, and Nido uh, was deeply connected with another character that we saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, after she threw the switch, Cooper returns into the purple world and it's not so purple anymore. And who's there but American Girl. Yeah. Um, so I feel like between... Who also had the Bob haircut, you know, is that what it's called? It's called a Bob. Okay, I got that right. one right. Um, but she's on. reverse image. She's, she's, she's black, black hair, hair as opposed to white hair, but which it, Diane had. Yes, and so now with the American woman, I feel like the American woman song was never about Bob or Cooper. It's always been about Diane. Right. Um, so we were given this, this clue in the early stages, um, but here, the Diane is the American woman. Uh, but Diane also seems to be maybe related to Nida as well. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, for two reasons. She, she said she was. Basically, I'm in the sheriff's station. But also, uh, someone pointed out on Twitter, was it that you saw? It was Twitter that um, people with much more knowledge of Japanese, the Japanese language, than we have. Obviously. <laughs> um, have said that the reverse of Diane 
if you were to speak it in a way that makes sense in Japanese uh, phonetics mm-hmm. and in the Japanese language, would be very much like Naito. Yeah. If you were to reverse it and say it backwards. So, and and then the links that, that go from there, I mean, we've commented on it, everybody's commented on it, the way that Diane dresses, the way that her home is appointed, she has very a very strong oriental mm-hmm. flair to her. Mm-hmm. And Naito is obviously played by a Japanese actress, mm-hmm. Uh, it's a Japanese name. Um, the link seems to be there that Diane and Naito are linked. It's then you bringing up that Diane and American Girl are linked. Yes. Are they? Is she both? Well, and that's that's my thing is that they were both sent to some variation of the purple world where Cooper went. Uh, she was literally split split in half. Why? Uh, I I don't know why. I have a feeling Major Briggs is connected just because he floated by and said Blue Rose as right. Naito disappeared into the into space. Um, but I feel like someone separated her into two: one half into American Girl and one half into Naito. Um, and to keep her safe. To maybe, keep her safe, or? yeah. And then created, a, manufactured uh, an alternate Diane in order to let Mister C think that he's controlling, um, controlling the real Diane. Meanwhile, the real Diane is is kind of semi safe in this other world, right. um, and you know, the real Cooper will find them and either bring them back together or protect them, mm-hmm. Nido, in, in some way. Um, but I mean, that's that's all huge conjecture at this point, but. In any case, there's definitely some connections between at least Nido and Diane, and I feel uh, sonically we are supposed to notice uh, American Girl and uh, the American Woman now. Right. So, um, yeah, I think those those scenes that we, we had no idea what was going on in part three, they've come back to roost in, in an even new light. I mean, we, we saw the Purple World when we went to the fireman's home, and we were like, okay, are these connected in any way? Um, the answer was yes there, and now they're also connecting back here. So mm-hmm. uh, th- That also explains... Or that also could explain where the lack of the black ball came from. If Major Briggs was the <laughs> one who created Diane, mm-hmm. then she wouldn't have that bob mass in her. No. So it's it, there's a lot of things going on there that that theoretically yeah we, we can, could we go can talk down, about, yes, down yes. several rabbit holes for sure. Uh, but we're not going to because there's more to talk about. We follow Coop to the Silver Mustang Casino. He meets the Mitchums, mm-hmm. and Cooper takes Ginny and Sunny Jim aside, kneels them down in the middle of this Vegas, you know, <laughs> visual of the slot machines, and they have a little family time conversation. And basically, he says, "I have to leave now. I'm sorry, um, but." you know Dougie oh sorry I mean I will be back soon walking in that red door um and you know Sunny Jim and Jeannie both kind of realize this isn't Dougie this isn't their husband and father um you know and Sunny Jim's hurt he he reiterates uh Donna's refrain from the last episode of season two you're my dad you're my dad um and then Jeannie gives him a kind of grabs him inside says It's kind of like a sweet, tender moment. And this is where we get, I think, another good indication of what Cooper's experience being Dougie was. Because he does describe that, yes, you, you, we are a family. You know, he had that experience of being in this family. And it was real, and he did experience it fully. And he enjoyed it, and mm-hmm. he, he loved them for it. And he said that they filled his heart with love. Yeah, and so that does fit with your theory that he needed to go through this experience in order to rebuild or rehabilitate himself in order to come back out unscathed on the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wondered at the time if Nido was sending him to to be 
part of Dougie's world for bad reasons. Mm -hmm. But if she was doing that in order to help him, if she knew that this was what he needed, Mm -hmm. then it starts to make a lot more sense. This is what's beautiful about The Return is that things you watched 16 hours ago only start to make sense now which is why I think it's it as we said over and over again this is going to be really rewarding to watch in the long term but um or rewarding to watch on yeah rewatch yeah re-watch. To, yeah, yeah, yeah come back to it for sure so he leaves and they get in the limo mm-hmm. and the Mitchums he explains presumably explains to the Mitchums what his story is yeah. and Bradley can't even handle it until he's had his Bloody Mary. But which he, we get a great moment of candy. Again, the slow candy, yes. which feels almost antiquated now because Cooper's so fast. Right. That, you know, candy is now the slow character. And it, it's a nice little return to the to that uh, the Dougie feel. Um, just drawn into the middle of the scene. Sorry, I digressed here. But yeah. But uh, he explains... Well, Rodney explains to Cooper, in a sense, so I make sure I get it right... <laughs> And he says, like, you know, you don't sell insurance and you're an FBI agent. And we're going to go to the sheriff's department in Twin Peaks. And Cooper's like, yes, that's exactly that's what we're going to do. <laughs> and uh, and this is the moment where, where they're, they're hesitant because they don't fit in with law enforcement types. And Cooper says that he'll vouch for them because mm-hmm. they've got hearts of gold. And and we know that to be true. So it's it's a nice moment. It's it's all of these people that, that Dougie Coop had interactions with. He's had such positive influences on their lives, but they have also had positive influence on him. And I feel like you're right. That that was all meant to happen, and it and it had to happen. If there was any other way, this wouldn't have worked out mm-hmm. for Cooper. Ladies and gentlemen, the Roadhouse is proud to welcome Edward Lewis Severson. So we go to the Roadhouse. Yes. It is the final scene. Um, and we get... Uh, the MC introduces Eddie Vedder, gives yeah. him his full name. Okay. Yeah, so he's name. introduced as himself, uh, sitting on stage with a hat, and he's playing the song Out of Sand, mm-hmm. which, if you listen to the lyrics, a lot of people have. This was the song that was released before the, the show began. Oh, okay. So people were expecting this to be the finale song mm-hmm. that would play. And uh, and lyrically, it does fit. There's, there's well. beautiful lyrics about who I was will never come again, who I would have been, I will never have the chance... Running out of sand, which is just metaphorically yeah. uh, a, 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 an interesting image of, and it links back to so many characters who have had their lives disrupted mm-hmm. because of the events of the last twenty-five years. I can totally get why fans thought this would be the finale song, mm-hmm. but it's not. Uh, what we end up getting is Audrey and Charlie make an appearance. Yeah, the they walk in, and we're like, okay, wow, they were real. That's exactly what Aiden <laughs> said. He's like, okay, so Audrey's real, and Charlie's real, and the Roadhouse is real, and Lindsay, you're wrong, because I just... I, was <laughs> I did not say that. No, you were I thinking, was thinking it. it, but yes. Uh, I mm. worked on an article last week with Scott Prendergast, uh, at ScottyThep on Twitter, who ha- was charting all of the Roadhouse booth conversations that were going on, and we had this grand theory that all the things that were happening in the Roadhouse weren't real, mm-hmm. and that this was some kind of fantasy realm that Audrey was dreaming up either because she was in a mental institution or in a coma or in a lodge state in some way. I was a little let down when I saw this and I was ready to let this scene just wash over me and move on to the credits. We get Audrey and Charlie ordering drinks at the bar but it, it didn't feel like this had the payoff that I was expecting and I was disappointed. Okay. Until we cut instantly back to the MC it's like 
30 seconds later, and there's already another jazz band fully set up, ready to go, which felt surreal instantly. Of course it did. Um, What happens next is even worse. Or not worse, but but better, because the MC introduces Audrey's dance. Yeah, and points to her. And points to her, and the crowd leaves the floor. And that was the moment where I'm like, nope, this is happening inside Audrey's head, because this would never happen. The roadhouse is not a real place. Or at least this roadhouse This version of the roadhouse. A real place. And it raises so many interesting questions, because we've seen other presumably real people. We saw Shelley... Uh, James and Red mm-hmm. in the, the Roadhouse in part two or three, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and Renee, Renee, Chuck. Renee, Chuck. So there all was those, a Chuck. All those situations that led to James and Freddie being imprisoned with Nido and Chad Presumably happened real. in this Roadhouse. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's an explanation for it and we can get into it, but what happens first before we get into yeah, too many yeah, of the yeah. theories is Audrey does have her dance and we do get a return to this dreamy mm-hmm. uh, Audrey dancing in the, yeah. in the double R yeah. But here she is at the roadhouse, and it lingers on her for a very long time. It's a sweeping camera. It's beautiful. But it's interrupted by a man charging in, accusing another man of sleeping with his wife, Monique. And Audrey panics and rushes up to Charlie. She shakes him and says... And then we cut to Audrey in a completely white room. We get extreme close-up on her face in a cosmetic mirror. Mm as she seems to recognize but not recognize the face that looks back at her. And then the camera starts shaking or the mirror starts shaking and we hear electricity buzzing. And then we cut to Audrey's song again and the roadhouse. Backwards. But the song is backwards. So... (laughs) Like, what a sequence. It just knocked me out. It's completely... um, Lynchian dream world at its... Most amazing because you start off and you're like, it's not a dream. This is like, like we said. Everything like, that if, if Audrey oh. makes it to the roadhouse, the, the, she's not trapped in her in her house. She's a real person. All of this, mm-hmm. but that is completely subverted the minute that the, she starts the, dancing. Yeah, and, and the which crowd is what we've is come to swing. expect from Audrey, yes, right? It's yeah. it's the thing that she was known for doing. Mm-hmm. So, it now I'm wondering what like seeing her. Wake up. She's the last yeah. character to wake up. We had Cooper wake up. We had Diane seeming to wake, wake up. Wake up, yeah, from the text, um, yeah. And then we have Audrey waking up. Is she mentally unwell? Yeah. Is she just in a hospital? Yeah. Is, are Is we she ever waking gonna... up from a coma? Yeah. Or was she in some kind of altered lodge state? Yeah, and to me, the fact that there's electricity yeah. and it's white, it reminded me of, of the White Lodge. Um, but why? I don't know. Just because I, I really it's don't. white doesn't mean that it's the no, White Lodge. No, but I'm... You're right. I, and there's not much to go on. And why it's, it's would like she be sent seconds. to the White Lodge? I don't know. But um, it could be uh, for her own protection or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. No, I think what, what what the, the implication would be, similar to what happened with Diane, that she's been sent to the Lodge because a, another copy of her has been created. I think Audrey has been sent to the Lodge during or very soon after the assaults that Richard, that produced Richard. Yeah. Um, and for what reason, it, it's it's left up to speculation at this point, but it could be any number of things. Mm-hmm. But I think this is the moment when she's she's seeing herself in the mirror for the first time in 25 years. I really yeah. do feel yeah. like, even if it isn't a medical coma, even if it isn't a traditional coma, she hasn't been conscious. Mm-hmm. There's some part of her that has not been conscious, and she's been dreaming this whole time. Yeah. How far does that dream extend? Is impossible to know. But yeah. I really feel like we're gonna we're gonna enter part 17. And nothing will be what we expect. Yeah. And that 
is so incredible because Audrey was a character who had been ignored for 12 hours, right? Mm -hmm. We didn't see her until the end of part 12. And now all of a sudden she is, she is so central to what's happening in a way that we can't explain yet, but which you just feel in your bones that she is so important. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned, I wrote another article for 25 years later site today that says that it's, the obvious answer is is has been proven out many, time and time again to be mm-hmm. the one that that we come back to is true. Yeah. So if we're feeling that she's important, she's going to be important. But but why? How? Yeah. What's happening? What's happening? Well, I, I feel it's like the, the the why is is pretty ex- self explanatory within the you know the way Lynch films and and shows things. You know the fact that he kept her hidden, he only reveals her at the end in these cryptic you know, super confusing kind of sequences. Um, He's purposely obfuscating her role, her existence, her, her place in Twin Peaks. Yeah. So when he reveals it, it's going to be a much bigger impact. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just, it's building tension. It's doing what he did for, for Dougie and Cooper. You know, he, he, they were building this tension for a long time about what's happening with Audrey. Yeah. Where is she? Why is she going to be important? The answer here, I think is very clearly yes. And, and I think, you know, you guys are writing about this for Black Lodge, White Lodge, also for 25 yes, years are. later. Who is the dreamer? I think Audrey's a very good uh, candidate, candidate for, for for I mean, the scope of the dream that, that Monica Bellucci talks about is is questionable. And, you know, is the whole thing a dream? Is Are just certain worlds dreamers? Is that where the timey-wimeyness comes in? Is it is, just the roadhouse? Yeah. Is it just certain parts of the roadhouse? Yeah, it, it's, it's really not clear. And I, we might never get answers, but I feel like we're going to get some hint of, of what was going on with Audrey yeah, in this interim. In that. Yeah, in, in whatever state she was in. And we're also going to get a sense of how it interacts with the other stories. I don't think this is going to be just Audrey wakes up from a coma and then runs into Cooper's arms and everybody's happy and Of course loving. not. It can't be that because if she's been in a coma or if she's been in this state for 25 years, she went in as an 18-year-old girl and now she's 43 or... Mm-hmm. Like, that's a whole life that's yeah. passed her by. That's going to leave some some scars. That's yeah. going to be traumatic. So it's not it's not going to be neat and tidy by any stretch of the imagination. No. But it'll be... But no, I'm saying even plot-wise, it's going to connect with the larger conflict that's of coming course. between Mr. C and, and Cooper. And I think, I think yeah. the fact that, that all of these characters wake up in the same episode mm-hmm. um, links them intrinsically. Mm-hmm. So... And that, to me, is so important because Audrey was sidelined for so long and it people were really cruel about it. I'm not going to lie. It was, mm-hmm. they, you know, nobody cares about Audrey. Audrey doesn't matter. And and as a fan of Audrey's, I was a little hurt because <laughs> she matters to me and clearly she matters to the story now. The other thing that, that it brings up is is how closely tied now. Something that, that I never scarcely, I mean, it was a hope, it was on my wish list, but I never I never dreamed that it would actually happen was that uh, we would get some kind of connection between Audrey and Cooper again. And and I think that's what we're headed for. I think the fact that both of these characters have been psychologically trapped for 25 years, and I really do think that's what we're going to get with Audrey. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're both waking up in that episode, um, that's going to be important. They're going to either have some kind of, you know... it. it it feels like this is the rewrite of season two. This is the ending that was supposed to happen with Audrey being trapped in the lodge and Cooper going in to, to get her. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to get some version of that. Um, I'm not expecting any grand, you know, happy ending because I think that would fall, that would feel false. But uh, 
But it is very interesting to me that this is something that that really does feel like it's coming yeah. to fruition. Yeah. In a very organic and natural way. It doesn't feel forced at all. I feel like, like yes, we've been withheld. Audrey's been withheld from us for, yeah. for a large portion, but... At the same time, if she's been in a coma for 25 years, you know, people wouldn't be talking about her casually. Like, yeah. it answers all the questions of why isn't anybody talking Nobody about talks, Richard yeah, yeah. To, to Audrey because she's still in a coma, you know? Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I feel like this is, yeah, it's going to be amazing to watch the next, the next two hours for sure. I will tell you three things. So we asked John three questions. He's given us three answers. Uh, first question. Do you think that Richard is dead and gone, or did he just transport somewhere? Or something else entirely? John says, I would love it if Richard got his comeuppance and we never have to see that freak again. But I've thought for a while now, especially since I'm so hot on Sparkle breaking down barriers, that we'll be seeing all the Roadhouse kids, or at least their doppelgangers, up in the lodge before it's all over. Becky and Steven, too, who he and Gersten might have been freaking out about because Becky got sucked into a vortex before their eyes. Mm. Which is, yeah. it could be. No idea. We have, we have no, no idea at all if this is going to happen or not. But, um, but it does, I mean, the whole fact that, that a lot of these conversations about the drugs and everything seem to be happening in the Roadhouse, and the Roadhouse now seems to be um, even more of a, I wouldn't even call it a liminal space. It doesn't even seem to be a, a real space yeah. anymore. Um, it brings into it, it, and I'm starting to question everything that I saw in the Roadhouse. So, um, and the characters related to it as well. But uh, if if that's the case, the first time we saw Richard was in the Roadhouse, the Roadhouse too. Yeah. So, uh, what actually is going on there? Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to answer. It is, yeah. But I I tend to think that he's gone for good. You think so? Yeah, because okay. it terrifies me to think that he is now pure energy or something. And then <laughs> well, he's no, going to be able to come back in some... Like, how else is he going to come back? He was exploded before our eyes, right? Yeah. No, I, well, I think he might show up in the Red Room or something like that. Or he be. might show up in Audrey's... If Audrey is in some sort of lodge-ish yeah. space, he might show up there, too. Yeah. Um, and if she's never met him, <laughs> that right. would be... Shocking? Extra, yeah, extra shocking, right? So, I, yeah, I, it'll be interesting because my thought was he was gone as well, but... Yeah. You know, nothing's ever that simple. No. Second question we asked John, where is the real Diane? Uh, John responded with, I love that the real Diane that we met was just as unreal a character as she ever was as a tape recorder. Mm -hmm. But sadly, I think probably the real Diane was killed and then recreated that night Doppel Cooper went to her house, which is totally understandable. I think the rape was a Bob side effect, which is so disgusting a statement to ever have to type. While Doppel Cooper's plan was to make an FBI mole and puppet. Um, which makes sense, except for the fact that she basically left the bureau immediately afterwards. It sounded right. like so, um, but it was interesting. Uh, I don't think we talked about this. Was that he was pressing her for information on the FBI? Yeah. Um, so I feel like yeah, and it's the whole thing about Dan being uh, Tulpa, and how it's different from Dougie as well is that this one seemed to have all of Diane's memories. Right. She remembered, you know. Gordon and her smoking back in the day. Right. Uh, you know, she she understood everything before this moment, too. Um, but she had, like, a block around this until she got the text. Right. So, you know, what part of her was 
the original Diane, what part of her was manufactured. Um, was the manufacturer just so good that it had all of her previous memories? Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of messy um, about where she fits in here. So, or is my weird crazy theory right that someone else created her and the Diane that we met is not the real one at all and has nothing to do with the real Diane? I don't know, but I, I think this is yeah. It's, I I want to find out more as does Jonathan. And I, I'm not sure we're going to. I think that it's going to be one of those things that is left kind of hanging, that we're we're not going to hear exactly how they're created. We're not going to hear the difference between Dougie no. and Diane. <laughs> I think it'll be um, just left... Open to interpretation. Yeah, open yeah. to interpretation. So uh, in this case, I guess you're both right. <laughs> Works for me. Third question, what will happen when Doppelkoop and Cooper finally meet up? And John says... I think when they make contact, time, etc., might begin to write itself. I used arm wrestling as an example in my last article, but I think the process otherwise is pretty spot on. It'll be a quiet melding rather than an action brawl. And I remember reading that in John's article um, last week, I think, or the week before, where um, where it'll be like a silent showdown between these two, and and no words will be spoken because the the conversation will be happening on a level that no one else, because they're the same, Mm -hmm. that that will be how they relate to one another. And it'll be silent, but deadly in that sense, Um, which is entirely possible. I'm actually starting to wonder if we're going to get a showdown. Yeah. I've, I was wondering that even last night that it feels anticlimactic because I, I guess I was expecting the showdown to be how Cooper got back. Mm. So the fact that he came back on his own, unrelated to Mr. C leads me to, to suspect that, that the Mr. C. Cooper showdown isn't going to be as important. But I could be wrong. I fully expect to be wrong. Yeah, no, I'm, I can't tell at this point either. I think I think it could be. I think the fact that uh, Green Fist... Freddy. Freddy uh, is in the cell next night. I feel like he might be... He might he has something to do with the showdown with Cooper. I mean, right. he wasn't given superpowers for no, for no reason. Um, so, and, you know, as far as we can tell... Regular Cooper, while you know quite fit for a for a man in his fifties, uh, you know doesn't have uh, Mr. C's super super strength or anything right. like that. So I feel like if there is going to be a physical showdown between them, he's going to need some help. I feel like it might be like the whole all the good people of Twin Peaks come up against Mr. C, and, that, right. and that's kind of the what the showdown takes on. But again, we don't know, and we're not going to find out for well just one week. Uh, final thoughts. Final thoughts. Great episode. That's all. That's it? What about you? I guess just the idea that that so many things are starting to come together in a way that we kind of expected surprises me. Um, I'm going to be on the lookout for more evidence for comas and electricity being related to comas just because of the way that that was highlighted mm-hmm. in this episode. And uh, and the fact that electricity is, is what seemed to have offed Richard maybe all of those things are happening at the same time. We haven't we haven't explored the two birds with one stone aspect of Linda and Richard. Now that Richard is gone, uh, is Linda related to Audrey in some way, which yeah. is what some people suspected? And if that's the case, did they both come to at the same moment? Did Richard die and Audrey wake up? And is that why the electricity was humming? Mm-hmm. Um, or was was the one stone what the stone was that that Richard was standing on in that field um there's just there's so many questions and so many theories that are going around in my head it's hard to keep it straight I haven't slept 
I slept an hour and a half last night, so I'm really tired and, and not really, I'm, I'm not sure how this is going to turn out for you listeners, but it's, it's, uh, it's confusing in the best possible way. There's so much to chew on, and even though spoilers have been released and even though episodes are being leaked, the fact that nobody is, is everybody is still shocked when they see it is something that is kind of impressive, I have to say. But yeah, also great episode. <laughs> Just finished it. Yeah, great song. If you're enjoying the show and want to join the conversation, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bickeringpeaks, all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter, that's at Bickering Peaks. Or you can head over to iTunes and leave us a review or comment. We'd love to hear from you. 